It's almost a weekend, and the Blue Bloods are here with some more college football content to get you through the end of your week. We start the episode off by breaking down the preseason AP poll that was just released, and then we're going to move on and debate which players in the ACC could potentially break be breakout players this year. And of course, you already know what's coming. We're going to wrap it up with another recruiting update. We, we've been ignoring the Pac-12 for a while, but we're finally going to head back there and we're going to analyze the Arizona State Sun Devils for 2021 recruiting class. Guys, we only got three segments, but you already know we got a full show today. So let's kick it off. So on Monday, the first preseason AP poll was released, and as you can imagine, had most experts and fans across the country expressing their opinions on this poll. One of the most controversial decisions was was the AP poll's choice to rank teams that aren't even playing this upcoming season, which caused many people to criticize the decision, wondering why they would do that. But the AP said it wanted to include all D1 teams to give people an idea about what the poll would have looked like in a normal season. But once games kick off, which is Saturday if you're in FCS school, but only teams who are playing will be ranked. But it's crazy because nine teams in the top 25 are not playing as of now. And four teams, one of which is not playing, all received first place votes, and that was Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and even LSU received a number one vote. Brandon, I, I have to say, after the kind of year 2020 has been, I never thought this day would come. But here we are. What teams overrated? What teams are underrated? And do you, let's start here. Do you like that they ranked the Big Ten and Pac 12 teams that aren't even playing? Dude, let me ask. Do you know how pissed off I would be if I were Memphis right now, who was the 26th team who didn't make it in because they decided we're going to put teams that aren't playing this season in this poll? I mean, number 19 through 24 on this poll just are not playing. So, like, or not, well, I'm sorry. Some of them are playing, but their games are postponed for now. UCF is in there, so their their game was postponed. Um, but the other teams, it doesn't look like they're they're playing who they were supposed to play anyway. Um, I'd be pretty upset. I, I mean, Ohio State at two with 21 first place votes is a bold move, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a super, I mean, listen, I'm confused on why they would rank them just like you are, but I mean, uh, the I think Ohio State, like you said, is the best reason because it doesn't seem, doesn't it seem like they're rubbing it into you? Like, congrats, Ohio State, you get to sit at home, but just know 21 voters thought you were the best team in the country. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel if you're Alabama and you got two first place votes to, to Ohio State's 21? They're not even they're not even playing. <laughs> you lost second place in the poll to a team that doesn't even technically exist right now. 
Yeah, let's, <laughs> don't exist. Guys, I mean, they just, they've dissipated <laughs> into the abyss. Oh, my gosh. But, I mean, for me, it didn't serve a purpose, Brandon. I mean, because the AP poll technically doesn't matter in the long run, in the, in the championship long run. And preseason rankings are pure, are pure sp- speculation. So do you think Ohio State cares that 21 voters thought they were the best team in the country? Dude, Justin Fields is over there somewhere like uh, punching drywall because he's like, I knew it. I knew that we should have played this season. What's going on? Um, <laughs> it is. It, go ahead. I mean, so the, the, he's mad, but like, Brandon, did you know there's only two teams since 2000 that were preseason number ones that won the national championship? Uh, yeah, somewhere in my brain I knew that. Yeah, 2017 Alabama and 2004 USC are the only two teams to do it. That's great. Well, Clemson, uh, let's, let's hey, hope Clemson. the trend continues. Let's see. Let's see. I mean, I get both sides, Brandon. I, you know, I, I get it to a point, but it just causes more confusion, right? Because you're like, hey, Memphis is not ranked in the top 25. How is that? So they'd be 17th if you took the teams out. Yeah. I mean, you're not only in the top 25, you're in the top 20. You're almost in the top 15. Uh, that's well, crazy. Well, then look at look at Cincinnati. They would be 13th in the country right now. Yeah, that's nuts. I mean, and so, and so that's my big takeaway right now. Like, what's like my biggest takeaway of these rankings is, you know, Brandon, we've been talking the SEC is guaranteed to get two teams in. Uh, one of the few Power Five conferences should get two teams in. I think the AAC has a real shot here. Zach, you can keep you can keep doing this if you want, but there, it's not going to happen. Brandon, has an AAC team ever been ranked in the top thirteen from the first week of the season? Uh, I would say no, since you said it that way. Okay, and now, so Cincinnati's going to have to play UCF, right? Because they're in conference. UCF is 14th, so that's one ranked win. Memphis is 17th once the re-rank happens again. So that's two top 20 teams they're going to have to play, possibly twice in the conference championship. And then with the re-rank, Navy and SMU are probably going to be top 25 teams. So that's Four top 25 opponents that Cincinnati is going to have to play. Well, we see what happens when these AAC teams actually play power five, like good power five teams. What? what? I guess uh, Memphis, I, Memphis well, was competitive with well, Penn State well, in the Cotton Bowl? Well, I guess you wouldn't know because UCF did beat Auburn. But in every other exactly. instance, and, in every and, other instance and, and UCF almost beat LSU. LSU won, didn't they? But, but but only by seven. You're acting like they get blown out. They're competitive. But you're acting like people. You're acting like these teams get get any credit for losing football games. They beat Penn State last year. Mem- or, I'm sorry, Penn State beat Memphis last bowl season. That was, yeah, do you think but that was, was a good Penn State team? Do you think that was a good Penn State team? Yes. If you take Sean Clifford off that team, that team can go win a national championship if you gave them a decent quarterback. Right. But you know what the you know what the issue with that was. Oh, the issue is that was Journey Brown ran for 300 yards. They shut down Sean Clifford. The issue, yeah, I mean, Sean Clifford was the issue. He's the reason. But <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't take anything away. That doesn't take anything away from my argument. I, I mean, I still think that, that – look, I just think that you're giving way too much credit to AAC, AAC right now. But Okay, but listen, Cincinnati's 13th already, right? Okay, yeah. In the SEC – so let's look at the SEC schedule. Alabama plays Auburn, right? They're both ahead of Cincinnati. 
LSU and Auburn play both ahead. LSU and Bama play. LSU and Auburn play. Florida LSU play. Georgia Florida plays. Georgia Alabama plays. I mean, Auburn Georgia plays. Texas A&M plays every single one of those teams. So you're telling me that there's not a way that if the SEC cannibalizes itself, that Cincinnati can't make a sneaky run if they go undefeated? I'm not saying that they can't. Um, what I'm saying is that they shouldn't. Like they, they, okay, they should okay. not make the playoffs. No, no, no. I'm not saying they should. I'm just saying that based on these rankings, they're going to have a shot. Well, then we have just been arguing for the past five minutes over nothing, then, sir, because that <laughs> we, we agree there. I mean, they definitely have a shot because, I mean, Notre Dame's going to have to play Clemson. Notre Dame's going to have to play UNC. Texas is going to have to play Oklahoma. I mean, all these teams play each other now with this conference-only schedule. So these AAC teams have a shot, uh, realistically, guys. And, like, I'm not saying that they're going to win. The, it, you know, it, it, you know, hang on, Brandon. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. If there was a year that all chaos ensued and an AAC team won the national championship, it's 2020. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Based on this year, are you really counting anything out? No, I don't guess I can. Zach, I really want to make you a little bit upset right now, though. Um, because Because I think putting, putting UNC at 18 is just absolutely insane. And do you, you know where they would be? Outrageous. And do you know where they would be at? If if these teams that yeah they they they'd be they'd be like eleventh or something like I, that. See, I knew Zach would know that because Zach did his research on UNC before this podcast. Well, no, no, like, no, 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 no. Here's what I did. So in a second, we're gonna pick our underrated, overrated teams. I re-ranked them so I could give you guys. So I picked underrated, overrated teams based on where they would be ranked, not where they are currently, because a team like. Let's say, like, you could pick an underrated team as someone like who, who do you want to pick? I, I don't even know. I didn't. I didn't pick anybody. But like, it, it, like a team that's ranked twentieth. But if you redo the rankings, they're like eleventh, and it's like okay, that's about where I think they should be. So I've re-ranked all these teams so I could properly pick underrated, overrated teams. Yeah, Zach. See, th- okay, guys, th- this is a little. This is a little. You're gonna be a little bit inside of the blue bloods, and we're gonna we're gonna take a look inside of our process because. Zach did all of this and said not a word to me about it. So this is this is a little ridiculous, Zach. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to do that. I just did it to be more accurate with my picks. Like, I mean, I'm the analytics guy, so like you would expect me to like Brandon. I'm so much of a geek. I pay money each month to unlock Pro Football Focus's like college advanced stats. Like, I can tell you every single time a dude hits a blade of grass on the field with these stats. And like I promise you, like I'm the only person that subscribes to that. Zach, as as the accountant in this relationship, I'm going to hook you up with a uh, with a financial advisor. Who, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get you help, sir, because you. It sounds like you're wasting a lot of money. It sounds like you're wasting I, a lot of money. I, I need it. But listen, this segment's run on for 11 minutes, and we still have a bunch <laughs> left. So let me go ahead. I'm going to give you all my underrated teams. I picked two of them. Just to be safe, because I didn't think we'd spend 11 minutes ranting about the AAC and my financial decisions. But (laughs) (laughs) I have Louisville and Memphis here. Okay. Louisville would be 21st in the re-rank. They were not ranked in this one, of course. And Memphis would be 17th. Um, And I'll start with Louisville, who, just a spoiler, I am going to cover them a little bit later in the show for other reasons. But... For me, Louisville's the top 20 team in the country. I mean, in a COVID-altered all-season, 
Brandon, we've talked about this on the podcast. Experience is going to mean more than anything. And when you have a returning quarterback, two of your top returning running backs, and arguably one of the best receivers in the ACC returning, that that, that bodes well for the Cardinals. And I mean, 2-2 Atwell, who's the wide receiver, is special. Brandon, he had over 1,200 yards receiving last year, 11 touchdowns. And he averaged 18 and a half yards per catch, Brandon. Dude, that is insane, actually. <laughs> and, pro, and Pro Football Focus rated him the top-rated returning receiver in the entire country over Jamar Chase in terms of uh, – not, not in terms of, like, stats, but just, like, graded out, blocking, route running, everything. Like, his entire game is better – According to Pro know. Football Focus, I, and I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying that he's really, really good. If he's even wanna, in the same conversation as Jamar Chase, I don't, I don't want to have to discredit Pro Football Focus because I understand how much clout they have, um, especially because they are Pro Football Focus. But uh, I'm starting, I'm starting to doubt them. Well, okay, okay. Listen, Brandon, would Jamar Chase put up the numbers he did if he had? Mikael Cunningham throwing him the ball over Joe Burrow. And, I, and if, if if this kid put up 1,200 yards, averaging 18 yards per catch in this Louisville offense in um, the first season um, that they had this head coach, I'm, his name I'm blanking on, but if you gave this kid Joe Burrow in that offense with Joe Brady last year, how how well do you think he would have done? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't watch a lot of this kid, I'll be honest. <laughs> you probably didn't even know him before I mentioned him, but no, it's fine. Name to me. But but Hawkins and Hall at running back, Brandon, they both finished in the top 10 in the ACC in rushing grades. And Hawkins had the the eighth most rushing yards in the entire country. Yeah. And C- Cunningham was a top five quarterback in the ACC last year. And I think once Trevor Lawrence leave, it's going to be him and Sam Howell are the, are the two best quarterbacks in the ACC. And the, the defense is questionable. I'll give you that. That's why I don't think they're a top 15 team. But they do have playmakers like Rod J. Burns and Anthony Johnson that should be able to keep them in the games. And they have three really good freshmen. Cameron Wilson, Jamie Vance, and Lovey Jenkins should be able to step in as true freshmen and act as reinforcement for this defense and I really really like Louisville this upcoming year and just quickly Brandon you know Memphis right why do you think they're underrated why do you think they're underrated it's all offense right we're not ever talking about Memphis's defense and Memphis returns probably the most potent three-headed monster of any offense in the entire country power five group of five it doesn't matter when you return Brady White coming off a 4,000 yard passing season with 33 passing touchdowns Kenny Gainwell 1400 yards rushing 13 touchdowns and then DeMonte Coxie who's coming off two straight over 1100 yard receiving seasons that is outstanding and that's why I picked Memphis and Louisville as my underrated teams from this AP poll I got you man I, I don't have my underrated teams I was just I was just analyzing the, the board <laughs> See guys, this is what I'm talking about. I feel like this relationship isn't it's not it's not fifty fifty. It's it's like it's like it's like ninety five five really for me. It's tech. fine. You know, okay, so you could just build off of mine here, man, because I know you're gonna have some opinions on both of these teams I have as overrated. So just because you didn't do your homework, I did it for you because I know you're gonna love this. Okay. It's funny. It, it's funny because um both of these teams are in the same state, but different okay. conferences. Okay. Um my overrated teams are Texas A&M at number nine and Texas at number 10. 
Thank you. Thank um, you. Thank you. you know, and I, I really do appreciate that you're doing the whole the whole re-rank with without the teams that aren't playing. <laughs> yeah, I got you, bro. I got you. Um, you know, both of these teams come from the same state and, and you know, I'm skeptical about them for the same reason too. I, it's it's really weird, but they're highly ranked due to senior quarterbacks and Kellen Mond and Sam Ellinger coming back. But outside of those quarterbacks, I'm not really sure what they have across the board in terms of teams. So we'll start with A&M, get them out of the way real fast. I know Brandon's going to want to talk about Texas. But like I said, A&M starts with Kellen Mond, and it really ends with Jimbo Fisher and him. But he should have more weapons than he's ever had. Jamon Osmond returns. Demond um, Demas comes in as a five-star true freshman. They're going to be huge targets. And they return running back Anus Smith, and he should build upon his freshman season and be a serious factor. But, man, Brandon, are you confident in this A&M defense? Like, I know you watched A&M some last year. I just want to ask, is Joe Burrow still throwing touchdowns in that secondary? Yeah, he probably is. And here's the thing that I love about Zach. You know, I, I can get mad at him as much as I want, but – he plays into my biases very well, and I hate both of these teams. So this is going to be a fun segment for everybody. Um, yeah, I think Texas A&M is extremely overrated. I mean, this was going to be, quote, unquote, their year until they switched to an all-SEC schedule. Um, now they're just going to get exposed for the frauds they were going to play off as last year, or th- this upcoming season, if things were normal. Um, I think Jimbo Fisher's a, a, a great coach. I think Kellen Mond's a, a Good quarterback. That that kind of hurt, but I said it. Um, (laughs) The rest of the team, a little iffy, uh, especially the defense. Yes, I I echo that 100%, Zach. Yeah, I mean, they have Elijah Blades, really good DB. And he ha- I don't think he's lived up to the CB1 role, and I'm not 100% sure he's ready. I mean, he got roasted in the LSU game. And, okay, everyone got roasted by LSU last year. But I don't think he's as good as some people think he is. And then Bobby Brown the third on the D-line has a lot of hype coming in, too. And he's a force on the inside of the line. But I don't see anybody on the outside of that defensive line that can take those double, triple teams away from Brown. And so I think he's going to be limited in what he can do. And I don't see him as a Derrick Brown type where he can take over the game from the defensive tackle spot. And that means Jalen Jones... Donnell Harris and McKinley Jackson, all three true freshmen coming in on the defensive side of the ball, have to be ready to contribute day one for AM to really compete for the SEC. And I think these three true freshmen might be more intricate parts than even Kellen Mond is in whether AM lives up to the top 10 ranking or not. Well, and Zach, the one thing I will say, um, I guess to counter. Because I, I, I have to do something. I, we have to make the show interesting. So I'll counter what you're saying here. And the one thing that Texas A&M has going for them right now is that while every other school in the country is worried about COVID outbreaks and because their students go and party, I don't think students at Texas A&M party. I, I've, I've never been to College Station, but I've seen the football games where they have like the uh, – it, like, it looks like the JROTC in the stands – is what it looks like. Um, and so, yeah, yeah those, those kids don't go to parties. They, there's no I mean, reason to worry about a COVID outbreak in Texas a Do you think they're going to do the midnight yell over Zoom? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess that's the only time they really get rowdy, so probably. Oh, God. But let's move to Brandon's favorite team in the country. Horns down. Uh, the Texas Longhorns to talk about why they aren't a top 10 team again. We've been doing this since 2005. But everyone points – to Sam Ellinger, and listen, like, okay, 
This is I'm not going to roast Sam Ellinger. Everyone likes him and everything, but I just think he's inconsistent in the biggest moments. But I got other reasons why I'm not high on this team. But Texas, their wide receiving core, Brandon, ranked 114th out of 130 Division One teams going into this year. Yeah, that's that's just that's bad. That's as simple as I can put it. And their number one wide receiver slash number two, he's going to fall somewhere that he's the most experienced, is Brennan Eagles. And Brandon, he only caught 52% of all his targets last year. Yikes. Not great. And that's going to be your number one target? Well, yeah. (laughs) If you're Texas, it has to be, I guess. And that's tough. And then, yes, they have Bajan Robinson coming in. And they have Keontae Ingram coming back. So their running backs are stacked. But if they don't, it, they're going to have to produce. Because I think what, what Texas is going to go up against early, they're going to make this run game beat them. They're not going to let Sam Ellinger, who has proved that he can win games in some situations, they're not going to let him throw the ball all over the yard. And he's not going to be able to with these wide receivers, it looks like. So Robinson and Ingram are going to have to step up and help Ellinger win some of these early games. And Brandon, my biggest problem with Texas is the defense because these rankings are not great. Brandon, they rank 59th overall in projected defense right now. They rank 61st in pass rush, and they rank 63rd in the back end secondary part of their defense. Yeah, well, Texas is a back end, really, the way you're talking about them. (laughs) I mean, are those the rankings of a top 10 team? Does anything I've said so far sound like a top 10 team? The only team that has had a defensive ranking outside the top 50 to win the national championship, Brandon, can you name the team? No. The 2010 Auburn Tigers because Uh, of Cam Newton. I knew it. I I was going to say it. As soon as I said no, I said no, wait. (laughs) But, yeah, Auburn's the only one. I believe they were actually mid-50s, maybe even the 60s with that, but – I don't think Texas has Cam Newton walking uh, through those doors. So, you know, they have uh, Kenyatta Watson, the second at cornerback. They have Deshaun Jamison at cornerback. They're going to be keys to the back end of this defense, but I'm going to need to see major improvement there because with with Spencer Rattler taking over for Oklahoma, they're about to be throwing it all over the yard. And that, just like they always do, because Rattler's a better passer than Jalen Hurts was. So I I need to see more from Texas here. And the defensive line should be better. You have Alfred Col- Collins and Vernon Broughton that are t- two true freshmen being into the mix. And linebacker Joseph Asai comes back. These guys have to play big for the front seven because they're going to have to try to stop running backs, Brandon, like Chuba Hubbard, Puka Williams at Kansas. These running backs are going to run all over this front seven if they don't pick it up. And I think Texas is going to be good. I don't think they're going to be trash. They're going to be good. But I don't think they're a top 10 team. Outside of Sam Ellinger and all his experience at quarterback, there's nothing about this team other than the name on the on the on on that jersey saying Texas and that burnt orange longhorn on the helmet that suggests this team should be a top 10 team. Absolutely. I mean, I, I echo that sentiment a million percent. I, I feel like I've been saying that a lot, but I do. Um, the one thing I will say before we move on, Zach, is – is Michigan's got to be pissed off, right? Like they're not even playing, and they still put them at sixteen. <laughs> That's because Michigan's going to be that Michigan's going to be trash, and Jim Harbaugh's going to be fired. This like is the Michigan, only reason Jim Harbaugh is going to have a job next year. I feel like Michigan, and I have no, I have, well, I've done no research, but 
I feel like they're always ranked number 16 to start the season, like every single year. You know, it, and it's just because they're Michigan. Like, if it wasn't Michigan, they would never rank that team. <laughs> if you slap another name and logo on that team, that is like a that is like a number it's sixty just, in the country. It's, team. Just, it's the same thing with Texas. If you took that same roster and put them in Arizona State gear, that team wouldn't be a top twenty five team. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, come on, man. It's it's a joke. I'm I'm still pissed off about it because I think Texas is just so overrated, and it's just because they're Texas, man. We see it year in and year out. And you know what? They're going to lose three games and go win the Holiday Bowl, and Sam Ellinger is going to scream into the mic that they're back, and they're not going to be. Until who comes there? Your boy, Ewer, is going to step in in two years and lead the Texas mullet. to the promised land. But we'll—that's a long way away, Brandon. And we'll see if um, Tom Herman even makes it to that. But we're going to go ahead and move on, man. We've ranted 25 minutes about the AP poll. I'm, <laughs> I'm upset with ourselves. I mean, we we even took a segment out to keep the show a little bit shorter, and we just ranted 25 minutes on this. But we're moving on, guys. We're starting a new segment here, and guess what? The creative genius geniuses we are the juices were flowing we're just going to name this segment breakout players and guess what it is just as uncreative and self-explanatory as it sounds we're going to go through each conference including some of the group of five conferences and cover some of the players brandon and i think are best candidates for being breakout players of the year in that conference we're going to start with the acc which has really become extremely interesting due to the fact that notre dame was added so brandon who is your first choice for a breakout player in the acc Okay, so I have to be completely transparent with you, Zach. Um, my heart sunk a second when you said every conference until I realized you meant like week by week. So we'll start with the ACC now for now. I, I've got my place for ACC. <laughs> Don't even worry. I was like, man, I really, I really, I really did not do my job this time. Um, but <laughs> it was going to get ugly. Zach, this one might come as a big surprise to you, but um, I love transfer quarterbacks, and it's probably not the transfer quarterback you're even thinking of here. But I think that someone that is, you know, if, if they're if they aren't considered a breakout player in in the ACC this year, they're going to be considered a breakout player on their own team uh, because this kid has little to no, um, uh, I guess, expectations for this upcoming season. And that's uh, Phil Jerkovich at at Boston College, um, the transfer quarterback from Notre Dame. He's coming in. I, I, I want to say that this is his uh, third year. I, I think he redshirted his first year, so this is the second year of eligibility. And, I mean, if you go back and watch this kid's tape, I mean, both at Notre Dame and in high school, it looks like he has what it takes. I mean, he's a dual-threat quarterback. Um, I don't know how well of a dual-threat quarterback he's going to be in, in Division One football. But this kid's got an arm, and every single pass I saw him throw was just a dime. I mean, he put it right on the receiver where only they could catch it. Uh, and so I think this kid has some serious potential to be a breakout player this season. Wow. I mean, you could have gave me probably as unlimited guesses, and that would have been the last name I would have came to. You know, I'll get, do mine out of order just to stick with you here. I got a quarterback as well, and I mentioned him earlier, and it's Mikael Cunningham. Louisville's quarterback, um, you know, I think he has the ability to be a top three quarterback in this conference already. And I think, like I said, this year is going to set him up to be top two with Sam Howell next year after Trevor Lawrence and Ian Book leave. But last season was Cunningham's first season starting and was an intricate reason that Louisville had the shocking success they did. 
Last season, over 62% completion percentage, over 2,000 yards passing, 22 touchdowns, five interceptions, and six rushing touchdowns. Brandon, he ranked top five in the conference in passing touchdowns, top five in rushing yards per attempt his freshman year at Louisville. Um, he has a unique ability to really extend plays outside the pocket, and the defense is going to pay if they're not respecting his running ability. And Brandon, he's a real, real threat on read options and design runs. He averaged over seven yards per attempt on read option plays last year. Right. Um, you know, his accuracy and ability to turn to avoid turnovers is a serious reason I'm really high on Cunningham. And I think he's going to be, okay, this might sound crazy with Trevor Lawrence, Sam Howell, and this conference being loaded this year. I think Cunningham could make a run at ACC Player of the Year if he takes that next step in development. They have a great running attack, like I said earlier, with JV and Hawkins, and it's going to make teams really be honest and really have to decide on that read option. Do I want to stop Hawkins? Do I want to stop Cunningham? And Louisville is going to eat against some of these weaker ACC teams. And I think Cunningham should be a player to tune in and watch and could be a real reason that Louisville is the dark horse in the ACC this year. Yeah, uh, I mean... I guess I could see that. You know, it's I'm not going to be like, yeah, I don't, I 100% agree with you on this. Um, but I, I mean, I could see it. <laughs> so I got to ask. I know you don't do your work like you're supposed to for oh, this podcast. That, what is, what does that mean? Disappoint the listeners. Do I need to go back to last segment, Brandon? Do I need to go back? I don't want to go back to last segment. <laughs> okay. How many players did you pick? Don't don't worry about it. me. I, I yeah. have a few more. Why? Okay, let's do it then. Let's do it. Yeah, Who's your number Zach, two player? Zach, Zach thought that I picked one player and I was out. Is that is that what you thought, Zach? Yeah, that's that's what I think of you. Uh, that's yeah. that's how I picture that's how I picture you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a fun pick here, um, and I don't think that his team's going to do very well. I will say that up front. But um, I I have a player. He's another transfer quarterback. Uh, big transfer another quarterback one. guy. Big transfer quarterback guy. Uh, after I saw what Joe Burrow did, you know, anything is possible. It's a Kevin Durant quote. Um, not Kevin, it's Kevin Garnett. I'm about to say, do not disrespect <laughs> Kevin Garnett like that. Don't, don't disrespect the goat. I, the goat, are we sure? All right. But I'm going to go with Chase Bryce. I said that very slowly because I don't know if anyone knows Chase Bryce. Um, oh, if God. you do know him, you know him from that Syracuse game that Clemson almost lost. Uh, <laughs> yeah Kelly, Kelly Bryant died and then Trevor Lawrence died and then then Chase Bryce stepped up and won that won that Syracuse game uh spoiler alert he has transferred to Duke he uh he signed his letter of intent in February and I guess he's immediately eligible so that's kind of cool for this kid he's a senior quarterback um pro style I, I mean we haven't seen a lot out of this kid to be completely honest with you, other than that Syracuse game. Uh, I guess we saw him once Clemson took the first stringers out every now and then, but we haven't seen a ton out of him. But I, yeah, that doesn't mean that he doesn't have potential. Obviously, Dabo Swinney saw something in this kid and recruited him. And I guess you could say the same thing about Kelly Bryant, and we kind of see what happened there. But um, I have higher hopes for for Chase Bryce, and, I, and I'm hoping – that he will be a breakout player this season so that I don't lose my credibility like I feel like I'm about to. No, I mean, okay, so he's an interesting pick because of David Cutcliffe at Duke right. being the head coach. If people don't remember, he was the offensive coordinator for Peyton Manning at Tennessee. 
There we go. Uh, I mean, this guy has a tenured. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the most, probably the most experienced, well-respected head coaches in the game. And Chase Bryce, you don't get a scholarship to Clemson just because you're a bum. Right. I mean, he was a three-star going into college. I mean, ranked outside. He's almost ranked in the 400s. He was ranked 393. But, but I mean, you like you do not get a scholarship to to Clemson for nothing. Exactly. I mean, Chase. I mean, he won the game he was supposed to win. I mean, Kelly Bryant transfers. All game, they're like, what if Trevor Lawrence gets hurt? What if Trevor Lawrence gets hurt? And like on the third play of the game, he gets his head taken off. And then they're like, oh, well, Chase Bryce is here. And he goes out and wins that game. Luckily, he had Travis Etienne to hand the ball off to. But he still played very, very well. And so I don't I don't hate that pick. I really don't. I, I actually didn't know he picked Duke. I knew he was leaning toward it, but apparently I missed where he signed. But yeah, David Cutcliffe is no joke with quarterbacks. And really and truly, Duke was better than their record showed last last year and it was due to subpar quarterback play right and brandon you're gonna love this pick my next two picks i'm okay so my i'm saving my favorite player for last i'll I'll move to this guy my favorite player in 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 this segment i'm gonna rant about him but i got a guy from a team that you love um he's a unc player not the one you think it is um and you know listen I know a lot of you guys thought I liked North Carolina this much because of one player, and that's Sam Howell. Well, let me introduce you to Javante Williams, the running back for UNC. And he was part of a deadly one-two combo last year with Michael Carter. But I expect Williams to separate himself from the pack this season. Last year, Williams had over 1,000 yards rushing, six touchdowns, while averaging 5.6 yards per rush and over 10 yards per catch, Brandon. Okay. Um, he explosion, explosion, and more explosion for this kid. I mean, I think he's going to be even better this season because now he has two years of experience under his belt in Chapel Hill. Last year, Brandon, he was top 10 in rushing yards, yards per attempt, and yards from scrimmage in the ACC. And this is a crazy stat. According to Pro Football Focus, Williams had five or more yards after contact on over 30% of his runs last year. Jeez which speaks to his physicality on top of his already explosive nature as a player. He's 5'10", Brandon, but he weighs 225 pounds. So it makes him an absolute problem to get to the ground. And I think Williams is going to be a huge reason that UNC makes a run at Clemson this season. And I expect Williams to be a top three running back this season in the ACC. Yeah, I I, I can definitely see that, Zach. Um He's a very talented player, um, and I think that he doesn't get nearly the the spotlight that he deserves. Well, when you have Sam Howell there, man, it's tough. That's true. Uh, so my turn one more time, right? One more time, man. One more time. I got one more, and I'm actually going to the defensive side of the ball. Oh, uh, I am too. I'm glad. I'm glad that this team uh, joined the ACC this season because I'm excited uh, if you t- about this if you, guy. If you take my guy, we are going to. <laughs> Fight, son. We are going. I, I will. I will stop this recording, <laughs> and we are going to meet up. Where's the middle point between Baton Rouge and Kansas? <laughs> I don't want to go to Arkansas. Please don't make me go to Arkansas. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We can. We can pick this back up when I come back down. Okay. Oh, now I'm now I'm afraid. Um, Kyle Hamilton. <laughs> oh my God, bro. Okay, I'll let you take it first, man. We'll we'll we'll, we'll break this guy down together because this kid is a absolute monster. So he's going into his second year at Notre Dame. Um, 
that's why I'm glad they joined ACC this season because this kid is phenomenal. Um, and he's a safety uh, playing for Notre Dame. Last season alone, his freshman year, his true freshman season, he had 41 total tackles. He had 27 solo tackles, 14 assists with four interceptions. Um, I mean, this kid's just an absolute stud, and I think he's just pros uh, for a breakout season. I wanted to pick a defensive player, Zach. <laughs> yeah, now you're making me feel like like I didn't have nearly enough on him. No, I mean, listen, I know you guys knew that we both had to give you a defensive player, and I think this kid has an argument. I know Marvin Wilson's there. I know there's a lot of talented players at Clemson and everything. This kid could be the best overall defensive player in the ACC, right up there with Gregory Rousseau, Quincy Rose, Chaz Surratt from UNC. This kid is the real, real deal. And listen, I know it's a huge jump, but that's a this is a breakout segment. And like Brandon said, I mean, he put up all those stats where he only started one game. Right. But he played in every game, and now he ranked number one for independent schools and interceptions. He was top five for passes defended. Guys, as a safety, this kid stands at 6'4", 220, and it makes him just an absolute perfect size to be a dynamic playmaker on the back end of this fighting Irish defense. And with his size, he has the ability to step into the box and make plays in the run game and is really, really dangerous on blitzes due to his size and athleticism. And Brandon, as a true freshman, Hamilton graded out at 89.4 in all his coverage snaps, which ranked as one of the best in the country for a safety. And since he's stepping into a starting role next year, it's going to allow him to apply that wealth of experience he gained from last year. And so now he's going to have more opportunities to make plays. And I think he's going to be an all ACC selection by the end of the year. And I think Hamilton is going to be able to make a run at the top spot for INTs in the entire country. And he's going to feast on some of these younger, less experienced DBs in the uh, in QBs in the ACC. And listen, Hamilton versus Lawrence and Howell is going to be an absolute game you have to watch because that's elite versus elite. And if Notre Dame wins the ACC and makes a run this year, I expect Hamilton to be a finalist for the Thorpe Award at the end of the year, because that's how good this kid could be for the Fighting Irish. Do you know what's crazy is that he did have that um, he did have that one game that he started this past season. He played in every game, like Zach said. He played thirteen games, only started one. This this kid's projected to be a first round pick in the NFL. Yep, that's insane. Already, man. I mean, like that's how good this. I mean, Brandon, how often do we see a safety that big, that be that athletic and that good? He's like Mika Fitzpatrick, but bigger. Right. That's insane. Because because he because he also took an interception back for a touchdown this year. He also broke. I think he had seven pass passes defended as well. I mean, this kid was all over the field, and I think you're going to be able to see him play a more dynamic role for Notre Dame this year because he's starting now. So now they're going to be able to make blitz packages for him. He's going to play in the slot. He might even step out to the boundary. He could play middle of the field, deep safety. I think this kid is versatile, and I think he could be a top 10 pick when he decides to come out to the NFL draft. Right, absolutely. And, guys, everyone listening out there better hope that this kid, like, doesn't play – like, he opts out or something because – if he is the breakout player that Zach and I think he's going to be, 
we just what we won't stop talking about it. This is gonna be like a like a like a weekly segment, just the the Kyle Hamilton Kyle update. Hamilton. Like the we told you so update. It's it's gonna be bad. Well, I mean, it makes you think harder about Notre Dame because all everyone talks about is Ian Book. Right. And you don't think about how good this defense could be because, I mean, we're going to we're gonna start having conference breakdowns coming very soon, guys. I mean, it's even as soon as maybe next week, we break down these conferences in depth. And there's going to be some of these defensive players from Notre Dame that, like, you guys might have never heard of that really should make Notre Dame a real option to win the ACC this year. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm hesitant on that, but yeah, uh, they're de- look. They're going to be better than a lot of people think they will be. I'll give you that. I mean, I think everyone's just kind of scared away because of what happened against Clemson, what happened against Alabama in 2012. There's a lot of people who are hesitant about the real potential of this team. I believe. Right. But guys, we're going to move on here. Last segment of the day. Y'all already know what's going down. Exclusive recruiting update here on the Blue Bloods and check out all our recent episodes to catch up on updates from all around the country. But we're going back to the Pac-12 today. We haven't done a lot of these. Um, We're going to analyze the Arizona State Sun Devils 2021 class, one that most of y'all probably don't know much about. But they're trying to follow up actually a top 25 class last season. That sounds crazy to say, but head coach Herm Edwards continues his rebuild of this program. And this class is headlined with six top 600 recruits. But the Sun Devils are almost full here. Have about five, maybe six spots left, depending on how scholarships work out. But Brandon, what's your take on this class? And listen, do you trust Herm Edwards to really make a contender out of this program? I trust Herm Edwards with my life, honestly. Um, I I (laughs) I like that. I like that. Hashtag Herm Edwards can save my life. Could you not? I mean, but can you not see them being a real contender? I mean, they're right 21 in the country right now. I understand. They have 20 commits. That's all fine and well. But, I mean, <laughs> they have four four-star commits right now. Like, that's a lot. That's a ton for any school. And they have that and their Arizona State. Um, you know, usually I'm the first one to say, you know, maybe this number's inflated because of how many commits they have. Zach, last year, I think they only had 21 uh, signees, either, yeah. either 21 or 23. Uh, they're already at 20 for this season and it's not even like we're not even close to national signing day you don't think that they max this out this year i think that if they don't it's going to be i mean a travesty well well okay so just a little update for you brian i know this is coming out of the blue like i didn't expect anyone else to know about this it's, i guess it's kind of breaking news like today they had an influx of golden uh what is it not golden but crystal ball predictions for dominic lovett who's a top 300 player, the number three player in Illinois, who's a four-star wide receiver who literally runs a four, like a four or five and put up 1,500 yards receiving and 17 touchdowns. And Auburn, Georgia, LSU, Alabama, Penn State, Missouri, all these schools are recruiting this kid hard. LSU is in his final three, and Arizona State has 100% of the crystal balls as of today. Like all came in to this afternoon while I was doing research for this segment. Okay, so Zach, I know what you're talking about. For anybody who doesn't know what crystal balls are, it's predicting, oh, yeah. it's predicting that he's going to Arizona State. And if he has 100% of the, of the crystal balls, it's it's as good as a commit, really. Yeah. I mean, I mean we, and, and, we, and it's, it's like 14 of them. So it's not just like one person put it in. It's like 14 or 15. Right. I mean, someone knows something. He's, he's told a few friends who have told a few friends. 
Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's crazy. That's going to boost this class a lot. They're going to be top. They could be top, like right there at the top twenty. I mean, they're already at twenty-one. <laughs> oh, that's true. Hope. Yeah, so that, they they could make it even a run at like seventeen, sixteen, depending on. I know it like works really weird. I don't know exactly. Like, there's a class uh, calculator on two four seven where you can find out like you can go for for your favorite team and enter all the recruits you expect or want them to get and see where they rank but i would imagine they're gonna make a run toward about 15 or so but i mean herm Edwards, man i don't think you can even talk enough about how well he's done because like there was a lot of speculation where it was like there's a big difference between nfl coaching and college football coaching but i feel like edwards has silenced the critics here yeah he really has I, i mean he's done a phenomenal job at arizona state I mean, they beat Oregon last year. That's that's a pretty yeah. good accomplishment. And, and, I mean, and they is as much as you could say bad about Florida State last year. They did beat Florida State in the bowl game too, which is a huge win for an Arizona State program. Right. I mean, well, a good Pac-12 program um, is about as good as a bad ACC program. I'll say that, or middle of the road ACC program. So that's that, that was a good. It's win. So dirty. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I mean, this Arizona uh, state recruiting class, I'll get back on topic. I oh, mean, it, it really is impressing me. Um, you know, the way that they're recruiting California is great. Uh, they got, they got the number 10 player in the state of California. He's number 94 overall. Uh, that's just, I mean, if that's not a statement, I don't know what it is. Uh, but not only that, I mean, they're recruiting nationwide, which is something that I love to give all these teams credit for. It is, I like, I, I don't even know if I could count how many states they've recruited. No, it's it's eleven for they have eleven different states for twenty commits right now. Like, are you kidding me? And six of those are in California, which that's just a, that's going to be the biggest talent pool around yeah. Arizona. So good for them. I mean, exactly. but they're recruiting in Texas. They're recruiting in Louisiana. They're recruiting in Virginia. I mean, they're all over the board. North Pennsylvania, North Carolina, all of it. So, uh, listen, major props. Uh, one thing I will say, they have one They have one commit in Arizona. Um, I, I don't know how much talent Arizona has. I feel like it's not like a ton. Not, not a lot. Because the kid that they have from Arizona isn't even – like he's not ranked nationally and he's 12 in the state. So Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I can't really criticize them on that. I was about to, but – uh, good job not recruiting Arizona, I guess, is what I'll say. <laughs> well, so, like, yes, we give a lot of coaches credit for recruiting nationwide, but I feel like this one holds a little bit different weight because for, like, we did it for Jim Harwell, you're supposed to be able to recruit nationally for Michigan. Right. You're you're supposed to be able to do it for Alabama, LSU, and all this stuff, but Arizona State's not supposed to go get kids from ACC, Big Ten, and um, SEC country. I mean – what is a kid from North Carolina and Virginia or Louisiana doing going to Arizona State? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't, and they're like good players too. It's not like they're. Oh yeah, I mean, the kid from Louisiana is ranked nine hundredth nationally. To be ranked in that top one thousand is insane. Like that, you have to be so good. I mean, and listen, man. Uh, so I was a person. I remember when Herm Edwards was getting hired. I loved it. I thought it was going to work because I don't think Herm Edwards was a normal NFL head coach. Would Bill Belichick work in the college football? I don't think so. I really don't. 
like say what you want about Bill Belichick. He's probably the greatest NFL coach of all time. I don't think he's a, I don't think he'd be a good college coach, but Herm Edwards, I really, really respect. I really, really like, I, I know I want Herm Edwards on this podcast. That's a long shot, but Herm, if you're listening, come on, man. Uh, but he's doing an outstanding job of not only this, Brandon, you talk about, so someone could hear you say the non hundredth ranked recruit in the country. Everyone's like, Oh man, shut up. Like that's stupid. Like I don't know if there's a coach in the country who is well, maybe PJ Fleck at Minnesota, but Herm Edwards is doing an outstanding job of developing talent. Right. And it, say what you want about where these kids are ranked. They all fit the culture he's trying to build. Yeah. They're all high character kids. They're all high motor kids. They're all disciplined kids. And that, wins games it really does and you know he has two straight top three finishes in his division he has a huge bowl win over florida state i i think kids want to play for edwards i think they respect where he's like what kind of nfl player he was what kind of nfl coach he was all uh, and i i love what edwards is doing here but brandon i know we always cover the top like one or two recruits of the class together but how about isaiah johnson man Top recruit in this recruiting class. He's 94th in the country. So a top 100 player, 7th ranked cornerback out of uh, Playa del Rey, California. Brandon, they landed him over schools like Georgia and Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah come on, man. I mean, so this kid transferred out to California, uh, which kind of explains why he has a lot of SEC offers. I, I believe he came from the East Coast, but he transferred out to California, hurt his ankle, and missed the entire year. And now California has canceled high school football this fall, so Johnson won't be able to play this fall either. But this is a huge concern. But when oh yeah, he was from West Virginia. My bad. Okay, I, I just I remember I had it down somewhere. But Johnson's team went on went on to the state championship, and he was an intricate part there. And for a cornerback, Brandon, he's 6'2", 185, which is an elite frame. And he was clocked at a 4'5'2 as a sophomore in high school. That's crazy. And he he participated at the opening as a sophomore, which is outrageous. He had a 38-inch vertical. He had a 260-pound power cling and a 400-pound squat at 6'2", 180. Right. I, I mean, this kid... And he and I know we say this every single recruiting update. This kid is not even in his senior season, man. He's six. He's six foot one, one eighty. And I mean, I know we just talked about uh, about Kyle Hamilton being being so big and having such a big frame for a defensive back. He's a safety. Cornerbacks are even smaller than safeties normally. And this kid has the opportunity to go into college weighing two hundred pounds as a cornerback. That, I mean, that's huge. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm just. I'm really, really. I've. I've really, really liked this kid. I. I. I don't know how much more I can say about. It, but I mean, I think he's a physical freak for his size. It contributes to how well I think he can do at the next level. And I think with his size and athleticism, he can move around the secondary and become a real versatile piece for this uh, Sun Devils defense. And I think he's a future NFL pick. And in my opinion, he's going to be a future All-American for the Sun Devils. Right. Yeah, I can definitely see it. And another top prospect, before I get to my underrated that I really like, I don't know if you have the same one, Brandon, but I like Junior Alexander. He's the 306th national player, 54th wide receiver out of Buren, Washington. Um, 
He's 6'3", almost 200 pounds, gives him a prototypical size and gives him an advantage over most Pac-12 DVs already. He's not as big speed threat, Brandon, but he uses his size and route running ability to get open. He's dominated the Washington High School circuit for three years now, and he's shown huge steps in his development. Brandon, freshman year, 60 catches, 859 receiving yards, and 10 touchdowns as a freshman for the varsity team. Um, Sophomore year, Brandon, he jumps up to 71 catches, almost 1,200 yards, and 10 more touchdowns. And then last year, goes to 67 catches, but he puts up 1,300 yards and 24 touchdowns. Uh, kids a stud. And more touchdowns than he had in his freshman and sophomore year. And I think he's one of the best high school receivers in finding the weaknesses and coverages. We talk a lot about wide receivers on this segment that have the speed to burn people deep. They show the outstanding route running ability, but Alexander shows a knowledge of the coverages and he can find the soft parts of the zone and exploit them. And I can't wait this I can't wait for this kid to get into this this offense and dominate the Pac twelve. And I think he's gonna be a number one target at Arizona State. And he has NFL potential if he keeps developing the way he is. Yeah, he definitely does. Uh so yeah, I know go ahead. Right. You could you you could take your underrated prospect. I have one that's an like an underrated, underrated prospect. Yeah, mine's pretty underrated, underrated. I already talked about him. He's ranked 905th in this recruiting class. Um, I had to go with the kid from Louisiana. Everyone knew I had to. Uh, so I'm going with Garen Stansberry. He's a uh, he's a defensive end out of Franklin, Louisiana. Uh, if you're wondering where that is, so am I. Um, it's basically Mississippi. It's like it's like it's north of New Orleans, but like almost state line. Um, but this kid, I mean, he's good. It, it, it's crazy to me that that you can be ranked 905th in the country and still be just a, just this much of a threat. And that's what I was trying to say earlier is that if you're ranked in that top 1000 Zach, how good do you have to be to be in that top 1000 in the country? Uh uh-huh. man, you have Imagine, you, you have to be elite. I mean, think about how many high school players there are in the country. Think about how many high schools there are in the country. Uh, I'll put it this way. Uh, you think about that kid that you played with in high school, uh, and this is just kind of general uh, generalization. Think about that one kid you played with in high school, and everyone at your school is like, "Man, that guy, he's good." That he's he probably wasn't even close to the top one thousand in the country, is what I'm getting at. Like, you can be good and not be in the top one thousand, but this kid is a monster. I, I mean, I mean, the pass rush that this kid can bring to a defense is. Uh, I don't want to say like no other because it's it's probably like a whole lot of others, but it's really good. I, I mean, and, and putting him in Herm Edwards' system, putting him in 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 that defense is I I think the perfect place for this kid. You know, because I, you know I'm not going to act like he's the perfect defensive end. I'm not going to act like he's the best one, maybe even on this team. But I think this kid has a lot of potential. Um, you know, he's 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 almost six five. Right as of right now, he's only 212 pounds. I'd like to see a lot of weight put onto that frame, um, but I mean, who's to say this kid's not growing? Um, his brother is also uh, he was a defensive end at Texas A&M, and he went on to play NFL football. If that tells you anything, um, it's that's Gavin Stansbury. So I don't know. I, I just think this kid has a lot of potential. You know, he he has connections in the NFL. Obviously, if his brother ended up growing to the size that he needed to be to be a defensive end in the NFL, uh, I think this kid has it. 
Yeah, I agree. I almost picked this kid, but I had a sneaky feeling you were going to go with the Louisiana kid. Yeah, oh, he, had, he, had, he, had, he had 89 tackles last year, Zach, 10 sacks. I couldn't pass him up. Hmm. Well, I beat you here. Um, I think I have my lowest rated prospect ever. He set a record. I have Isaiah Pipkin. He's the 1,354th ranked player in the entire country, the 91st outside linebacker out of Wake Forest, North Carolina. Wake Forest High Listen, School. Yeah, Wake Forest High School. Now, he's, not a, he's not a transfer, guys. He's actually is there Wake Forest, North Carolina High School. And there's actually a city called Wake Forest, shockingly. Um, this kid is a hyper-athletic outside linebacker, man. And he has the size to play buck defensive end at the next level. Brandon, he's listed as an outside linebacker. He's 6'6", 225. Jeez. And his frame could hold even more weight once he gets onto a D1 level workout plan. And Brandon, you know what I love. You know what I look for in these underrated prospects. This past season was Pipkin's first year playing football, and it's because he focused on basketball his whole life. He's a really, really good basketball player out there, and he decided he wanted to try football, and and is just it's stuck. And now he wants to go play football and. Based on what I'm reading, he could play basketball at Arizona State, but I don't know if he will. Um, but it only increases his potential. I mean, he has that basketball athleticism with that defensive end size. Um, he had 30 tackles last year, two sacks, three pass deflections, and one interception. Brandon, are you on his recruiting profile right now? No, I, I, I can be. Okay, just go turn on his tape and watch the first play, which I believe is the one interception he had last year, which is an Odell type catch for a kid this size. Yeah, you wouldn't know anything about this, Zach, but I don't I don't subscribe to two four seven, so I have to watch this ad first, so continue. <laughs> well, I'll talk to Brandon, but I mean, I think Pipkin will improve in his second year in football. It could start to garner more attention across this country, but Arizona State was the very first team, Brandon, to offer him. In high school, so I think he's going to stick with the Sun Devils. But if he if he breaks out this next year, look for those ACC, SEC, Big Ten teams to really make a run at him. But this just speaks to the eye, like you said earlier, of Herm Edwards, where he discovers a gym in North Carolina before any team in that area. Right, that blows my mind, and then he lands that kid and could have a star in the making. I, I saw the play. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, for for a six six two twenty five potential DN, that's outstanding hands. He dropped back to coverage. He dropped back into zone coverage. Yeah. The defensive end—that's <laughs> nuts. Well, he didn't even play defensive end yet, Brandon. He plays strictly outside linebacker at that size right now. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so he's a defensive end that's athletic enough for a team to trust him. Backing up into coverage at six six, that's nasty. And the Pac twelve, they're going to drop him down to defensive line. They'll put some weight on him, but they'll also be able to disguise him in blitz packages because he can drop back and they can bring linebackers and he can take their place. Versatility is huge for college for high school kids going to D one programs. And listen, I expect this kid to redshirt Brandon because he doesn't have a lot of experience. But during that redshirt year, it should increase his knowledge of the game, and he's going to become an absolute force for the Sun Devils. And listen, I think he could develop a future NFL pick if Edwards can can continue to work his magic. But for a kid that is really, really talented, not a lot of experience, is there a better coach to have in the country than Herm Edwards? Um, 
Okay, it, outside it, of it, maybe like Nick Saban or like Dabo, but like for for like a lower tier program like Arizona State. No, I think I think Herm Edwards is absolutely great at a uh, perfect at, for this, right? And that's why I like this kid. I listen, guys, keep Isaiah. Isaiah Pipkin in your mind when watching Arizona State in the coming years. And listen, I'm I'm ready to put my money where my mouth is. And Brandon, in like three years from now when the Blue Bloods is like four years strong, you know, we're on ESPN one day. We're gonna readdress some of these underrated picks and see if like we have an eye for talent or not. And we're gonna figure out are we really paying attention? Because I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is with these underrated prospects. Uh some of them I am very convinced on. I'll say that. <laughs> Brandon said, "Listen, I don't want to have to take out a loan to pay off my debts here. <laughs> um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be real cautious picking from now on. He's gonna be like, I'm gonna pick the 23rd ranked player in the country. He should be a top <laughs> 10 player. Oh man! But guys, that is an hour of content here on the Blue Bloods. That is a wrap on this episode. Uh, you know, Instagram at the underscore Blue Bloods." Facebook at the Blue Bloods Pod, Twitter at the underscore underscore Blue Bloods. Go follow us on all the social media. Find us on YouTube, the Blue Blood CFP Podcast, the Audible Episode 3 coming next week, next Wednesday. You can find more about it on our social media. Um, listen, guys, check uh, check me out this weekend, Saturday. I'll be on Couch Coach Live again. We're going to be analyzing the Big 12. Go to his YouTube channel. Catch me covering the SEC and uh, the Pac-12, even though they're not playing, we you can find out what could have happened in the Pac-12. Um, so check that out there. We got big announcements on the way, guys. Um, so just stay tuned for that. Y'all keep subscribing. You can find the podcast literally anywhere. Keep listening. We'll keep dropping episodes. You know how that goes. But for right now, we out. <laughs>